You're listening to Comedy Central. This week on Tuning Out the News, Smart Talk Tonight has an exclusive interview with world-renowned author George R.R. Martin to discuss if his books romanticize wars by ending them in victory instead of a hasty retreat with desperate interpreters dangling from a dragon's wing. Plus, the liberal virtue signal looks at how the new democratic leadership will bring a fresh 21st century take on maintaining the status quo. But first, we have full coverage of Raphael Warnock's defeat of Herschel Walker thanks to Georgia voters' bigotry against the violently unhinged. It's Thursday, December 8th. Welcome to Tuning Out the News, the podcast. Up first, hot take. What's up, traffic copter flashers? I'm a host who uses duct tape as a belt, Tyler Templeton. Top story, despite MAGA Republicans running a once in a generation political wonderkin like Planned Parenthood Platinum Medallion member Herschel Walker, the establishment refused to throw the entirety of their credibility and war chest behind the little engine that could threaten to murder his next wife. And so Herschel Walker has appeared to lose to man cursed by God to eternally run for Georgia Senate, Raphael Warnock, giving the Democrats 51 Senate seats. Afterward, Walker said this. So I want to say I'm never going to stop fighting for Georgia. I'm never going to stop fighting for you because you're my family. Touching words, but that's not a metaphor. The audience was literally his family and the rest of his kids watched from a nearby stadium. That said, the race isn't over. We have 0% reporting from the other 49 states. And we all know Herschel's most reliable voting block is voters with brain damage who do need a little extra time to accidentally wander into a voting booth. But from these electoral ashes, the mega movement will rise like a phoenix and in two years, proudly and honorably, get absolutely walloped again. Now let's bring in the panel. We've got co-host who jumps into the restaurant aquarium to choose her crab, Bonnie Davis. Hello. Co-host whose cocktail bar pickup line is, hey, you pile of filth, Susan Shepard. Good evening. Co-host getting a heroic dose of radiation from his off-brand kettlebells, Austin Sparks. Tyler. Yep. Hey. Oh. And the host of PBS's Firing Line with Margaret Hoover and Republican who weirdly doesn't think ballots should be filled out with an assault rifle, Margaret Hoover. Thanks for joining us, Margaret. You're welcome, Tyler. Good to be here. Now, Margaret, is this result a sign that establishment Republicans need to shift further right to make fringe nutjobs like Walker palatable to voters? Sadly, it's the opposite, actually, Tyler. What we saw is that Across the country, culminating in this election this week, Republican voters and regular voters, ordinary voters, Democrats, Republicans, independents, rejected conspiracy theories, rejected extremes, and rejected this notion that the election lies in 2020 were a real thing. Ultimately, Herschel Walker wrapped his arms around Donald Trump, wrapped his arms around many of these conspiracy theories, not even just the election conspiracy theories from 2020. And Georgia voters rejected that. Yeah, the problem is Walker didn't have concrete plans. Sure, he talked about werewolves, but how will you actually put one struggling with its conflicting internal dichotomy in every forest? Maybe it's time that the party stopped drafting inexperienced celebrities or January 6th insurrectionists into big races and start researching whether there's some third type of psycho. Now, 
a just God would never allow such an honorable man of faith like Herschel Walker to lose to a pastor, so it's time for a hot take declaration of war on God. Your reign is over, God. Hot take will hunt down your cloud throne. I know what you look like. I drew you from memory. You have pulsing pecs, delicious thighs, and sure, I guess you look exactly like Lil Nas X, which brings us to a hot take alert. Do not read into that. Moving on, now, 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 now. Uh, the fallout continues from the bombshell report that Twitter honored the Biden campaign's request to remove photos of Hunter Biden violating our constitutional right to see the future first son's taint. Now, Donald Trump is immune from displaying hypocrisy on this since his social media platform, Truth Social, has zero effect on elections or life in general. He posted there, simply put, if an election is irrefutably fraudulent, it should go to the rightful winner or, at a minimum, be redone. Yes, a fair election depends on every voter possessing all worldly penile knowledge. Thusly, we must redo the 2020 election, so let's go back to November 2nd, 2020. Oh my God, it's 2020. Do you know how much money we can make if we bet on sports? Can anyone remember what happened in a sports game? I remember there was a Kentucky Derby. Yes, a horse won. Let's put all our money on a horse winning the Kentucky Derby. Bonnie, where'd you go? To see a dinosaur. Oh my God, make it try hot sauce, please. Wait, what if I meet my mom and I fall in love with her? Ah, screw it. We'll make it work. Bonnie, was the T-Rex pissed? All the dinosaurs look like cars. Whoa, this place lucky. is nuts. Let's go back to present day. Crap, we forgot to redo the election. Oh, uh, well, moving on. I will admit that after Herschel Walker's defeat, the MAGA movement is recognizing the subtle signs America may not be enchanted with our ballot box poison, but we can totally be normal. Which brings us to our new segment, a hot take moment of reasonable republicanism. <clears throat> We must keep tax rates low to foster American ingenuity and innovation. We need a stronger border, but not at the expense of the basic humanity of asylum seekers. America must maintain a strong national defense with war always being our last resort. Margaret, do we sound like we could join you at the regatta in Cambridge this weekend? Yeah, you just, all you need to add is we believe in the sanctity of marriage between two people and that's okay if it's between two people of the same gender. I can't do this anymore, there's too much blood in my brain. It's time for a hot take moment of actual Republicanism. I say one acre, one vote. Like that piano on fire. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go get ready for bed by jumping up and down until my pants come off, so let's wrap it there. Sorry we didn't have time for Elon Musk making the best of his animal killing debacle and debuting a new Neuralink monkey burger stand. Thank you to my co-hosts and guest Margaret Hoover. Thanks. Up next on Tuning Out the News, the podcast, the liberal pundits of Virtue Signal celebrate a new era of Democratic leaders in Congress. But first, a word from our sponsors. BMW, you're a lawyer. Welcome back. This week on Tuning Out the News, host Kylie Weaver and the liberal panelists of Virtue Signal embraced the next generation of Democratic leaders and took a closer look at the Pentagon's latest war machine. Tonight, we stand 
plan how the new Democratic leadership will give much-needed representation to the party's rank-and-file hedge fund managers. This is Virtue Signal. Weaver, and yes, I really ate that pizza slice I posted on my Instagram story. Joining me in the echo chamber is former Biden White House communications director who eats so much ice cream to impress the Bidens, even though she's catastrophically lactose intolerant, Jordan Pauls. Hello. Former DNC chair who has never touched an animal, Charlotte Fitzgerald. Good evening. And Lincoln Project's senior advisor frequently kicked out of weddings for nasal wheezing, Troy Lawson. Hi, Kylie. Top story, y'all. After Queen Nancy Pelosi prematurely stepped down as leader of the party after just two decades of fanatical control, House Democrats have elected a bold new Degrassi generation of leaders ready to usher in a new era of the current era. And my friends in the liberal media could not be more excited. House Democrats elected a new generation of leaders. A new generation into politics. Generational change. Generational shift. Generational shift. Young leadership. Younger. Octogenarians have stepped aside. As Lizzo would say, it's about damn time. And as Kylie would say, it's about damn time white women started appropriating Lizzo to liven up their otherwise inert political drivel. And how transformative is incoming House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries? When it came to donations from greedy lobbyists, he refused to take the most donations of any House Democrat and instead took the second most. And he told Wall Street, I will never ever be one of the top four recipients of your money, but fifth is fine. That's right. This socialist king doesn't need Wall Street because his support comes from small individual contributors 3% of the time. These new Democratic leaders are practically babies, ages 52, 59, 43, and 82. Is that a K-pop band? And it's so exciting to finally have leaders who use references and language we relate to when fighting tooth and nail against universal health care. Congressman Jeffries is just another millennial struggling to make rent. That's why he has to share a tiny office with 80 lobbyists. Moving on, we all know I believe in standing up to bullies, whether by kicking them in the shins or incinerating them using the Pentagon's just-unveiled B-21 Raider stealth bomber. Ugh, I love my curvy death machine. And the Pentagon must have gotten it from the thrift shop because it's an absolute steal, at an average cost of almost $700 million each. That's money well spent, assuming the state-of-the-art long-range striker is no more complicated than its website, which earlier this week did not work. The Biden administration is hailing this airborne reason you'll never retire as a central element in Washington's effort to keep China in check. And why do they need to keep China in check? Because they are bad. Just ask Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Does the Biden administration support the protesters in China? Of course we do. Uh, we support the right of people everywhere, whether it's in China, whether it's Iran, whether it's any place else. Exactly. America must support people around the world against whichever convenient enemies will justify our next trillion dollar defense bill. Panel. America is so the mom of the friend group of nations. They know everyone's birthday and the exact day they're going to die. I bet the reason the price is so high is that these bombers also stealthily target Appalachia with desperately needed Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to an opening at an art gallery. My life is literally a movie, so that's all the time we have. 
When Tuning Out the News returns, our very own Dr. Ike Bloom sits down with world-renowned author of A Song of Ice and Fire and man behind Game of Thrones, George R.R. R. Martin, to ask the burning questions fans want to know. This week on Tuning Out the News, Dr. Ike Bloom had the opportunity to interview world-renowned author George R.R. R. Martin about his writing process, his slow progress on the winds of winter, and how he finally cracked the code on making sex and violence entertaining. Good evening. I'm host and guy loudly pointing out anachronisms at Epcot Center, Dr. Ike Bloom. Tonight, my conversation with author George R.R. R. Martin. I'll ask him how he pulls off the seemingly impossible, being a world-famous wealthy fantasy author who isn't transphobic. This is Smart Talk Tonight. George, I want to thank you very much for being here, and I hope it's okay that this interview will not end in an orgy of blood and violence. <laughs> now, A Song of Ice and Fire is nearly 4,300 pages. When you're writing, do you ever get to page 3,800 and think, wait, who the hell is Goron again? You know, um, oddly, no. I have a... Um Maybe I'm a little deranged, but I remember all these people from Westeros and Essos with uh, the, the weird names. Um, on the other hand, I constantly forget people in, in real life. But I will remember a minor knight who was in the entourage of Jamie Lannister from the third book. I don't know what that says about me, but probably nothing good. In the world of Game of Thrones, who's been the hardest character for you to kill? My guess is Fish-Eyed Warlock number 7. Well, the Red Wedding, where a number of people died, was probably the hardest thing I ever wrote. I'd been writing about those characters. Uh, that was in the third book. I'd been writing about those characters for, uh, you know, a decade or more um, in both of the previous novels and much of that third book, so it was very hard to write that particular chapter. Why do you think uh, your work has connected with such a vast audience, uh, considering the endless supply of riveting fantasy novels like my own unappreciated work, Alsinoth, The Realm That Stinks? <laughs> you know, if, if I knew why it was so successful, I would have done it 20 years earlier. I think I would write stories even if they were not published, because I, I think it's something I've been doing, as I said, since kindergarten, since I uh, learned how to write but um, telling the stories and then putting out stories for people to read and enjoy, that's a big, big part of it. Like an actor going on stage, and maybe they'll throw rotten fruit at him or maybe they'll applaud, but you, you want the audience and uh, telling the story for people to enjoy. That's a big part of the motivation. Uh, I will point this out. You didn't even bother to ask why Alsinoth stinks. The ego on this guy. I, I, I didn't. Would you like to ask me? Certainly. Why? Well, well, uh, George, if I could sum it up in a sentence, I wouldn't have written 3,200 pages on it. Now, any chance you could give me a blurb for Alsinoth, The Realm That Stinks? Uh, to make it easy, I've drafted a couple of straightforward, generic options for your consideration. Okay, uh, Alsinoth, The Realm That Stinks, is the finest novel ever written, compared to Ike's epic saga, my life's work amounts to nothing. Also, 
I heard he's an absolute dynamo in the sack. <laughs> that, that is so nice of you. And actually, I think there's a backup option if that one doesn't work. Yes. In a word, wow. In another word, wowza. In several words, wowie, wowzers, and Philippi, Gibberty, wow, wow, kazooie. I think we will go with the first one. Now, in House of the Dragon, an elderly feckless king's inaction leads to civil war. On an unrelated note, you endorsed Joe Biden in 2020. Will you support him again in 2024? I will. I definitely will. Well, you've said that Game of Thrones was inspired by the War of the Roses. Right. If you ever do a show inspired by modern politics, I have some ideas for characters. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Joe Biden, Lord Ancient the Cotton Candy Hair. Okay. <laughs> Chuck Schumer, the adjacent Never King. Uh, all right, all right. Donald Trump, sire of strange-faced adult sons. Yeah. All right. Uh, Clarence Thomas, the freak-wived King of Frowns. Okay. I'll, We've I'll, also yeah. have Tucker Carlson, Caucasius the Replaceable. Oh dear, yes. Excellent. Now, fans are upset with you because it's been a staggering 11 years since you published a book in the A Song of Ice and Fire series. Let's just bang this thing out right here, right now, <laughs> just the two of us. Uh, Joplin, can you please bring in the laptop? All right, here we go. Page one. I, I did page one already. Fine, page two. Okay, uh, the main guy wakes up. He gets his sword out of the closet or whatever, chops up some breakfast. Then, hmm, uh, wh uh, what does he do next? Well, he would have his dragon roast it if he's a dragon rider. You don't want uncooked breakfast. You know, George, I don't think that's what the main guy would do. Um, let's go ahead and remove the laptop. Do you know the author James Patterson? I, I do. Well, he's published 22 books this year alone, and luckily he's a dear friend. Uh, let's get him on the line and see if he can get you some tips on how to be a successful author. Hello? Uh, James? Yeah? James, old chum, it's your old pal, Dr. Ike Bloom. Now, James, I know you're cranking out your third book of the day, so I won't keep I you. I don't crank. I, I, I very carefully, it carefully, carefully uh, uh, turn these books out. It, it's not cranking. Now, I know you are, let me say, carefully crafting out your third book of the day. That's good. Yeah, there we go. So I won't yes. keep you here long. I'm here with a struggling writer. Uh, let me uh, revise mm. that. Truly pathetic, uh, who is having trouble <laughs> meeting deadlines. Uh, do you have any advice you can share? Uh, yeah, well, how, how long is the, uh, what, what, what kind of deadline are we missing here? It was 11 years ago. Uh, 11, uh, wow, okay. <laughs> I've heard of writer's block. This is more like uh, writer's constipation. Um, I actually have the opposite problem. I suffer from writer's diarrhea. No need to insult diarrhea. Do you use a computer or type, or how do you, do, how do you uh, work? I do. I use my, my faithful DOS computer with WordStar. Okay, well, try something else then, because that's not working. <laughs> so um, how many pages do you have so far in this 11 years? Well, 
like uh, 1100 1200 something like that. <laughs> <laughs> 1100 <laughs> Yeah, it's not I'm done yet, though. Number. Well, then your problem I, I solved. Another, uh, your problem yeah. solved. Another 400, 500 You break pages. down the 1,100 pages into three books. <laughs> you, uh, you submit them one and, you know, and, 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 and uh, one, one each year. You submit three of the, you know, one book per, per year, and uh, they'll be happy, and, and suddenly you'll be ahead of schedule. Now, uh, James, one last thing while I have you on the line. Would you be willing to blurb my new novel entitled Alsenoth, The Realm That Stinks? Uh, just something simple like, I could never dream of writing a novel this vital, even if I had a spare 20 minutes. <laughs> After the break, an update on some slight changes to the lineup at Tuning Out the News. More on that ahead. Ticketmaster, your front row seat to extortion. Hello from your friends at Tuning Out the News. Due to macroeconomic factors beyond our control, Tuning Out the News will go through a limited period of targeted belt tightening in the form of panic budget cuts and slash and burn layoffs. Effective immediately, we are saying a fond farewell to the following shows. Youth Watch with Chris Wallace, Hilaria Baldwin Primetime, World News Now with British Guy. Top Story with Bald Guy. Inside Politics with Chris Cuomo and Keith Olbermann and also Chris Matthews. Vanilla Nothing with John King. What's Fareed Zakaria eating now? And Saturday, Chuck Todd Live. Change is hard. We have no further comment at this time. Enjoy the snow. Until next week, this has been Tuning Out the News, the podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Watch Stephen Colbert Presents Tuning Out the News on Comedy Central, Wednesdays after The Daily Show. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 